Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Right, guys. It's fixture release day. The day that FPL fans, as well as Premier League fans, have had in their diaries for a while. And it's the first time that we kind of look ahead to the new season properly because we now know what we're looking towards. I'm Sam from FPL Family. And I'm Lewis, otherwise known as at FPL Reaction. And we're going to talk through the fixtures today. So, Lewis, before we kind of get into the fixture release and who's got who in the game weeks that we've got coming up, let's start by talking about what we should look for in terms of fixtures. Because I know for me, as a Spurs fan, the first thing I do is look at who Spurs have got, but then the FPL manager in me kicks in and I kind of start looking at the fixtures from a from an FPL perspective. Is that is that kind of the same for you? Yeah, I think so. I think the first one of the first things I do as well, like you, is is to kind of look at the Chelsea fixtures. I mean, we probably need good fixtures to start the season this season because of previous campaign. But yeah, and then my kind of FPL had um, switches on, and I think there are there are several things that I I kind of look for um, when I uh, you know firstly look at the fixtures. I think for me, I start with the teams that. I expect to want to heavily invest in. So clubs like Manchester City, Manchester United, Liverpool, teams that historically I've had a lot of players for. I look at how their season looks to begin with, but then I flip to the other end of the spectrum and I look at the newly promoted clubs because I want to try and work out where the budget picks might be out of those clubs. And and if there's a team that's got a really nice start to the season from kind of one of those historically cheaper clubs then they kind of go straight on my radar for when the game does eventually launch. Yeah, no, similar. I, I kind of do look at the big teams, you know, the, the Liverpools, the Man- Manchester Cities, where, you know, we, we tend to spend our money in terms of budget, but also, um, you know, the newly promoted teams, similar to what you already said, we, you know, we need these cheap assets to be able to fit the, the more pricier options in, I think, you know, initial thoughts are because I've watched a lot of championship as well. And uh, I tend to watch a lot of championship and I, I kind of already have a good idea of who I'm going to be looking at from those teams, those newly promoted sides. So, I mean, if, the, and if the fixtures are good, then, um, then they're definitely worth considering, I suppose. 
And when you look at the fixtures, do you narrow it down straight away? Do you have the whole fixture ticker up? Because obviously over on Scout, the fixture ticker is up for the whole season from game week one right the way through to game week 38. But that's quite overwhelming, isn't it? If you sit down and look yeah. at the fixture ticker that way. And of course, if you then sort by difficulty, you're going to find clubs like Manchester City sit at the top of it because over the course of the season, they're going to be the ones that have the most easy games because they're the better teams. And and the ones that have come up and the, the teams that struggled last season are likely to sit lower down. So I was trying to kind of narrow it down rather than looking at the whole thing. And sometimes I start by looking at just the first game week and thinking about, oh, okay, well, who looks nice for game week one? And then I'll kind of start rolling it forward and looking at what does that mean for game week two, three, four, and five. But game week five tends to be my cutoff point with my fixture thoughts early on because you learn a lot, don't you, in those opening five game weeks oh, about yeah. these sure. teams. You know, we none of us expected Chelsea to have the season that they did last year. So when you looked at the fixtures for last season, kind of Chelsea were on the radar. Same with Spurs towards the back end of the season, right? You, you know, you had teams that were playing well going into the campaign that then just sort of fell off a bit of a cliff. So you allow yourself the opportunity, I think, by looking just to game week five to allow for the form of the teams as the season commences, but also to allow for the transfer window, which is still going to be open at that point, to allow for you to play a wild card at some point in those mm -hmm. opening few weeks of the season and, and make those changes. So I think for me, five game weeks feels like long enough to look at the fixtures. Do you tend to agree or, or is that something that you kind of... No, I think I agree. I think I, I usually look for the first six fixtures, actually. Um, okay. I'm not too sure why. I can't explain why it's it's that specific. But yeah, usually the first six fixtures, um, the first thing I look for is kind of this big row of greens, you know, uh, teams with consistently um, easy opponents uh, back to back. And I, I kind of notice those sort of teams first. But um, I've noticed it's not the case this season. It's kind of, although teams have, um, we'll discuss teams further in the, in the in the podcast but there are teams that kind of have green and then a toughish game and then a green fixture um but yeah no in, in terms of my initial reaction to a, a fixture ticker it's kind of who has the first six easiest fixtures and 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 then and then obviously you kind of look at things you know like fixture swings um because also that that helps with kind of like rotation mm. pairings and stuff like that and and so, yeah, I think the first five or six fixtures, I think, is a good kind of um, frame, isn't it? As, as opposed to the whole season, because like you said, that is really, really intimidating. Um, yeah, and at, I think yeah. You're, you're right with the rotation pairing stuff, because that for me is the importance of the fixtures. So, yes, the fixtures are important in terms of, you know, we all want to target those with the green runs. We all want to avoid when our players have got really difficult periods of fixtures. But we have seen in seasons gone by that there are players and there are teams that do well in the fixtures that they're not necessarily supposed to do by the fixture ticket. But I think as a manager who normally likes the rotating pairs in goalkeeper positions, at least, as well as in terms of my fourth and fifth defender options, defender. because yeah. I like to play more of an attacking style. I don't really like necessarily playing four at the back. So that means I want to make sure that my goalkeepers and my spare defenders rotate nicely so that when I do want to use them 
they're there and available and they have a nice fixture. And and I think that's where the fixtures for me have their most value at this point in the season, because it's making those choices early on when the game eventually goes live, where we can say, okay, well, this team and this team, they look to rotate nicely together with home or away fixtures or in terms of difficulty of fixtures. So that I've always yeah. got availability there. And of course, when it comes to making premium choices with the captain's armband, because if you can make your premiums work for you so that they have a good fixture in different weeks, then you've always got some choice around the captaincy as well. So yeah, I think the rotating pairs thing is probably the key thing that I look for on fixture release day. Yeah, I think there's there's a there's a few things that I kind of look for. Of course, players have to build their teams, don't they, mm. um, to start the season. So I think a lot of people will initially just look at the first kind of period of fixtures just to build their teams um, or at least get a first draft in place um, based on the fixtures. There's obviously a big debate over form and fixtures and stuff, but fixtures is something that um, I think it's really, it is important because I think you kind of, you want, to have easier opponents, I suppose. You know, you want your players to be playing weak, the weaker teams, and uh, but yeah, it's got so many, so many important factors to to consider when when with fixtures. Um, you know, like you already mentioned captaincy as well. That's a um, that's a huge huge uh, factor as well because it's where all most all a large section of our money goes. And mm. um, so yeah, that's a, that's another interesting point. All right, well, let's start by looking at the fixtures themselves then. So yeah. game weeks one to five, I think as standard, that seems to be what most people do, although I do appreciate that you want to go to six. So you can kind of use that as well. But yeah. let's start with yeah. the ones that have the best sets of opening fixtures then. So when we sort the fixture ticker on Fancy Football Scout by the opening five game weeks of the season, Arsenal yeah. are right at the top. So they have Nottingham Forest, Crystal Palace, Fulham United and Everton to start the season. So arguably of those five matches that they've got it's only really the Manchester United game that I think could be difficult amongst that you would expect them to win games against Forest and Palace and Fulham and Everton so are are we suggesting therefore that Arsenal are a team that we should be kind of really honing in on and and targeting it's difficult because we don't have the prices yet and we're not expecting surely for the Arsenal players to be as cheap as they were last season you know i'm not expecting to have a really nice budget enabling martinelli anymore um but i am thinking you know ahead of forest palace and fulham in those opening three weeks i want to be heavily invested in that arsenal attack yeah Yeah, i mean arsenal were one of the the go-to teams last season weren't they in terms of investment investment for fpr managers and i think they've got so many different options i mean the fixtures are great you couldn't really ask I mean, you probably could ask for more promoted teams in the first stage of the season, but I, I do, I do think that Nottingham Forest, Crystal Palace, Fulham, you know, potentially even Man United, um, because they have their, they have mm. periods where defensively, although they did keep the most clean sheets last season, they did have periods where, you know, they they weren't great defensively, and and also Everton, um, we we kind of don't know what we're gonna see from Everton, although Sean like Dyche, you never know, do you, what you're gonna get from Everton no, anymore? No. Yeah, they are. You know, there's some teams in there that I do think that you know investing in Arsenal heavily could um, it could be hugely beneficial. So I think yeah, that's Arsenal are definitely a team um, that we should that every FPR manager should be looking at 
Uh, prices will be interesting, though. But the good yeah. thing about Arsenal is it does feel like you've got a lot of options there. There's a lot of yeah. players in that team that, you know, whilst we're saying, I, mean, I think the whole FPL community is expecting Arsenal players to have a, a jump in price. But you've got the likes of, of Saka, of Martinelli, you've got Erdogan, you've got Gabriel mm. Jesus. There's so many opportunities to invest in that Arsenal attack. You've got Trossard as well, depending upon how you want to you wanna go there with Arsenal. Plus, you do have some great attacking options in that Arsenal defence mm. as well. And that these games do look like there's some clean sheets in there for Arsenal at the start of the season. So you could be looking at investing in in somebody like, you know, if you think back to early part of last season, Zinchenko was incredible. And I'm not suggesting yeah. that we would really want him for this campaign. But if Salibo is back and available, he's going to be a nice option. You would have thought you've got Gabriel in there as well. So there's plenty of attacking threat in that Arsenal defence. So mm. the first thing that struck me when I sorted the fixture ticker on Scout was with Arsenal sitting at the top, I can see myself starting this season in the same way that I ended last, which is being yeah. heavily invested in the Gunners. What I do like about Arsenal is that, you know, you already mentioned that they've got so many options. Just, I mean, even for me to even picture the assets that I want, I couldn't because they've got so many, you know, we yeah. saw kind of a resurgence from Ben White, you know, the last stage of the season, uh, Zinchenko maintained some great underlying data. Um, Gabriel, he's a great, you know, he's he's a good goal threat as well. I think he was mm. up there with some of the most shots in the box last season. So there's a lot, there's a lot to, to choose from, which also creates the the argument of you know, of who do you pick? Because you know, you've got you've also got Odegaard, Martinelli, Kaiosaka in attack. Mm. So you kind of got three options to choose from in attack and, uh, and maybe even Jesus as well. So you could add four to that, uh, potentially trust out of five. So you know, <laughs> there's there's so many um, that you can pick from and um, we could see some huge point swings um, early on yeah if you get the wrong one and I yeah. think that that really applies for the team that's sitting second as well because that's your team with Chelsea the the biggest squad I've ever in the world it feels like and with Poch there now yeah. I, I think you know there'll be some some streamlining of that team but I also think that there'll be obviously some new players that he wants to bring in to freshen mm. up that squad so when I look at Chelsea the opening fixtures of the season Difficult game in game week one. It's going to be a great one, that one against Liverpool. And then after that, West Ham, Luton, Forest and Bournemouth. So yes, the Liverpool game is is going to be a tough one to start the season. But those kind of big club games, anything can happen in them, right? Yeah. So I, I kind of leave that one aside and look at the others and think, well, those those fixtures after that look nice. Right. In terms of Pochettino, he's, he's a fantastic manager. He did a great job at, at Tottenham. And um, I do think we'll see a lot of improvements. I think we'll see a skimming of the squad, which needs to happen. Like you said, we've got we've got way too many players, um, <laughs> but we also need a, um, a you know a, a kind of start a, a main eleven uh, in terms of the attacks and defensive players. There was a lot of rotation, and we even saw that with Kappa and Mandy yeah. towards the last stage of last season. Although I have heard that Kappa will be the starting goalkeeper. But yeah, no, I, I think Chelsea will be an interesting side. You know, you look at some of the teams, they play West Ham, Luton, Nottingham Forest and Bournemouth. You'd expect Chelsea to maybe keep clean sheets there. And um, but for me, I would be looking at the Chelsea defence. You know, initial thoughts would be to look into the Chelsea defence rather than the attack because you just don't know what you're going to get from the Chelsea attackers. 
I think, I guess the thing with Chelsea is as well that you've got the Potocino factor and we don't really know yet what the Potocino Chelsea team is going to look yeah. like. And pre-season is going to be so important for Chelsea in ter- and for us as FPL managers in terms of understanding how Poch is going to set up that yeah. Chelsea team, who are going to be his priority players, who are going to be the ones that we can rely on to get starts because that's been a massive issue at Chelsea this year, gone by, is knowing who's going to start. I think under Poch, we should see more settling of that squad um, and we'll see some back-to-basic stuff like he did with Spurs when he first yeah. arrived at us. And that can only benefit Chelsea. So with a nice start to the season, I think if you're brave and you kind of invest in Chelsea early on without having that kind of knowledge of what Potocino's Chelsea is fully going to look like just from the pre-season fixtures, it could massively pay off in FPL. Of course, it could go the other way because you could invest in the wrong one. But if you're wildcarding in and around game week five, like most managers seem to traditionally mm. do, then you might as well target Chelsea here with these fixtures yeah. if you can find some nice price points because you can change it up as we know more about Poch's Chelsea as the games go yeah. on. I think we're gonna we're gonna obviously see some price drops from the tra- from the Chelsea assets as well. Um, you know, we we finished twelfth last season. Um, we didn't keep that many clean sheets. We were awful offensively. I mean, it's likely that we see price drops, and I think that is kind of an extra factor we we will probably consider when looking at the Chelsea assets because if they're if they're cheaper than they were, then we're more likely to go there. And I I just I just look at those fixtures, the first five fixtures, and think there's got to be um, some rewards in there for those for the managers that do kind of take the risk with Chelsea assets early on. And I think that risk applies to the team in third because that's my team, Spurs, another new manager club, mm. um, another team that we won't necessarily have full understanding about because we're only going to be reliant on these pre-season matches that we see to understand how the new manager is going to set up at Spurs, but also to see what personnel we have. I think like Chelsea, there is going to be a real streamlining of the Spurs squad this summer and hopefully some incomings, hopefully a new goalkeeper, a new central defender, Um, But I think what you will have, hopefully, if Kane stays in the Spurs fold, is consistency up top. So being able to invest in Spurs from the attacking perspective is is good. And I think, you know, when you look at the fixtures, it's, it's Brentford to start the season, followed by Manchester United, Bournemouth, Burnley and Sheffield United. You have a really nice set of opening fixtures there for Spurs and particularly for those attacking players. Now, it's been interesting in the last couple of days because Sun's come out and said he was carrying an injury all season that was affecting his ability to play. And that kind of explains a lot to me as a Spurs fan. I kept saying there's something seriously wrong with him and I can't work out what it is. Understanding that there was an injury there, that he's required surgery, it actually makes a lot of sense. And with the likelihood that we're going to sign Kulisewski, that's not... Um, it doesn't have to happen now because we didn't qualify for the Champions League, but it does seem likely that Spurs are going to continue with the, their intention to sign Kulusevski permanently. And obviously Richarlison, in his second season at the club, hopefully can kind of kick on from what we saw when he was playing in the World Cup because he was a completely different beast in the World Cup to what we've seen in, in the Premier League for Spurs. So I look at those Spurs fixtures and think, you know, if Kane is still a Spurs player by the time game week one kicks off, he looks like a fantastic option to start the campaign with. It's going to be difficult because we're expecting, you know, the premiums to be very premium in their prices, I think, based upon the points returns that they had last season. 
but with Spurs riding high on the fixture ticker with the kind of attacking play and the way that I'm expecting Kane to be used in these new systems that I'm I think we're going to see at Spurs I think he could be a fantastic asset so he's there son's there and I also think we've seen in the past when we look at Celtic and what they did last season the fullbacks um have they have they had such an important role for the defenders there and the kind of inverted fullback role that was played could make the likes of Pedro Porro, um, Ivan Perisic, whoever he decides to play out there, Emerson Royale, whoever gets those positions could be huge in the game. And with fixtures like that to start the season, whilst I'm not sure there's clean sheets in the opening two, Brentford away is tough, then it's Manchester United. They're difficult fixtures for clean sheets. But after that, Bournemouth, Burnley, Shepherd United, there should be some clean sheet opportunity yeah. there as well as some attacking returns, particularly if you invest in those kind of attacking Spurs defenders. 100%. I think the, my, I mean, my, my, my first thought with, with Tottenham is always Harry Kane, you know. It, <laughs> it's everyone's. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, we, we, we go through this period every, every summer, don't we, where we're not we too sure if Harry Kane is going to stay. And, um, you know, he's, he's been so consistent, hasn't he, over the years. And yeah. You know, last season I think he was only was it ten points short of Haaland. I'd have to double check. I think that, it was nine. Yeah, I mean, it it just goes to show how how consistent he is. You know, Haaland had this record-breaking season, and Kane was not far behind him in terms of FPL points and more bonus points so, than everyone else as well last season. So yeah, it adds to that appeal for FPL managers. So I think if 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 Kane does stay, I mean, I'm kind of on the fans where I'm not too sure he will um, but if he does stay I think you you seriously have to look at Kane um, just based on consistency he's someone you could keep in your team as well kind of regardless of fixtures too um, and you could kind of just leave him there and he'll, he'll just you know he'll just score a lot of goals for you I mean but that's also, what I did last season I just owned him for the whole yeah. campaign a- apart from I think two weeks where I didn't have him because I'd swapped him out for Haaland and then eventually swapped Salah out to bring out the money for him but otherwise, I just held Kane all season. And yes, he wasn't getting the huge hauls that we saw from Haaland and, and people like that. But he was also more consistent in his return. So every week, yeah. he kind of guaranteed pretty much that he's going to get you six, at least six every week and tick over. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I am in the camp that I think he will stay again this summer. I think we're in a, we are yet again in another transition year. But I think that there is... There is enough desire from Spurs to keep him that, and not sell him to a Premier League rival. And there's enough desire from Kane to want that Premier League goal scorer record that I don't think he'll necessarily want to go abroad this summer, particularly as he's expecting a baby as well. Like that would be a, a big change for him. So I can see him sticking around this summer again and, and starting the season, you know, in a Spurs kit. They've gone heavy with him in the advertising this this season, which they didn't do in the season that there, he was being linked with Man City. Yeah, so he's mm. in all of the kind of press releases. He's in all of the fixture stuff today. He was in all of the kit release stuff. So I don't know. I, I kind of lean more towards the fact I think he'll stay. And, and I do think that he will be one that FPL managers potentially overlook because most people will go, I want Haaland, I want Kane, I want Salah. And therefore, yeah. if I want both, how do I how do I get Kane in as well? And it depends on how the rest of the game is priced as to whether you can do that. 
yeah, hundred percent. You already you you also mentioned um, Pedro Porro, who is someone that I've, I've watched for for years now, and he's mm. just so so attacking when he gets into a rhythm, and he obviously he's obviously settled um, at Spurs now. You know, he he kind of the first few games, everyone was worried about him defensively. You know, he's made quite a lot of mistakes, but yeah. there was always going to be a time where he settled and he kind of got his confidence to to kind of advance forward and stuff. And we know Perisic is, is really good. He's, you know, he's played in, he's played in right, his, his left wing position, um, his attacking position for Croatia as well. So I think he's, he's someone that, he's someone that I'm always going to consider as well. And with Pedro Porro, he, again, he's someone I've watched for, for such a long time now. And I'm really interested to see what they're going to be priced at, actually, um, Pedro Porro and uh, Perisic, because Porro is, is, I keep saying Porro is someone I'm going to be looking at, but he is going to be someone <laughs> that I, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to see his price anyway. He's, he's, he's in my list as well, based on the fixtures, because, you know, I, I think, I totally agree. He's really attacking. Spurs defensively have... I have a lot of question marks about my team defensively. And I do think that what happens with the goalkeeper situation this summer will be key in terms of whether we want to invest in that Spurs defence. But the fixtures in the opening five weeks give us the opportunity to do that. And they give us the opportunity to do that with an attacking asset. So I think Spurs could be a decent option for managers to look to. And weirdly, I don't think it's just Kane anymore. I do think that there are other options there that you could go to. Because the other thing is, I would, I'd expect them to not be too ridiculously priced, the defenders. And then you could kind of replace them with somebody else as the Spurs fixtures get a bit more difficult. Or if Spurs continue to be a bit Spursy when it comes to defending. Now, if we look on the fixture ticker at fourth spot, it's the team that everybody always struggles to invest in. It's Manchester City. Obviously, yeah. most managers are going to want to have Harlan particularly with the start to the season that reads Burnley, Newcastle, which is very difficult, then Sheffield, United, Fulham and West Ham. So with games like that to start the season, managers are going to be looking at Harlan and going, yep, tick, in you come. Even yeah. if he cost them, well, however much it is that he's going to cost them this summer. But then we're going to be back in the same problems, aren't we, with Man City, you would expect this year in terms of the rotation and, and how we invest in Man City moving forward. I had Edison a lot last season. These fixtures coming out, having said I'm never owning Edison again, I'm looking at them thinking, I can see myself ending up with Edison again. Oh, God. But can't you see it? Because the fixtures are nice. Yeah. And I think, you know, we've just talked about Arsenal, Chelsea and Spurs. There's attacking defenders there. You've got the likes of Porro. You've got Chilwell. You've got Reese James. You've got Gabriel. You've got Saliba. They're all great options who play and start regularly. Look at Manchester yeah. City and the defence. Last season, it would have been, right, I'm getting Cancelo. This season, I'm looking at it kind of going, well, who's going to be the consistent starter there? Maybe it's John Stones that I want to look to. I don't know. But I do look at those City fixtures and think I want a City defender, at least some coverage of that defence. So I can see myself falling in the Edison trap again already, Lewis. Yeah, I've got a really good point. Because if, you know, you've already mentioned, if you look at that City defence, we're not going to, we're not too sure who is actually going to be playing every game. You know, we saw rotation with Ruben Diaz, who, who everyone thought was the kind of the, what the most reliable asset in the team. There's also not much attacking threat there either, is there? You know, Ake, Akanji. No, exactly. Uh, 
Kyle Walker. John Stones is an interesting a topic, actually, because he played a lot of his time in midfield, didn't he, last season? Yeah. So is he going to get a position change? I hope he's still a defender next season because I think yeah. he offers a lot better potential to us as FPL managers if he's in that kind of defensive role from a FPL perspective anyway. I hope he's in a defensive position in FPL and plays in midfield because that would be uh, that would be nice. We like those out of position players. Oh, yeah. But I, I do struggle. I really struggle with the Man City defence. That's why I ended up with Edison last campaign. But I'm looking at that thinking, well, I do think I want some Man City defensive coverage in there. But then I'm kind of also thinking, well, I would quite like a Manchester City midfielder as well, because these fixtures feel like the sort of fixtures that you would want to treble up on Manchester City. And then you hit another minefield, don't you, when you get into that midfield? Because if we're going to say we want Kane and we're going to say we want Haaland and we want Salah, you're not going to be able to have KDB. Do we think that we're going to see the kind of cheaper options stay cheaper in terms of the likes of maybe Grealish or Mares, Bernardo Silva, those players? Are we going to see them increase in price? Like, it's difficult, isn't it, to kind of, to know to know what to do about Man City. And I think until we have the prices, it's, it's going to be really tough. But I do think what these fixtures tell us is that we should be looking to invest heavily in the champions. Yeah. I mean, in terms of um, their attacking assets, it, again, you know, there's there's going to be a lot of rotation there. We didn't know how reliable Bernardo Silva was for Manchester City. He didn't tend to play much in the Premier League. Mores, again, he, he featured quite heavily towards the latter stages of that. Mm. But was that just because of the Champions League. And then we've got we've got Jack Grealish, he, who has become probably one of the most uh, reliable in, in terms of minutes yeah. over, the, over the last few months. But then again, does he offer that much going forward in terms of output? Maybe not. So, and then obviously Foden, you know, if Grealish is playing all, the, all of these minutes and how does Foden get in? But I mean, the, the, one of the main things that comes into my head when I, when I saw the, when I think of the Manchester City midfielders, is the Arsenal midfielders because while a lot of people are going to be getting these premiums in, would it be better to just maybe go for two Arsenal midfielders? That way, mm. you know they're going to be playing every single game, and the, also they were really consistent last season. So if if it's if it is between, it's just a, just an example. If it is between an Arsenal midfielder and a Manchester City midfielder, I'm kind of swaying towards the Arsenal midfielder and of course if there's, if there's plenty of budget after that you know there could be another debate of if you go for a second Arsenal midfielder or just one Manchester City midfielder mm. so yeah there's a lot of um, there's a lot of things to think about with the with the Manchester City midfield but it does feel more difficult to invest um, you know looking ahead to the to the next season. It does. And when I was looking at the fixtures ticker and it was sorted by difficulty and I saw Arsenal, Chelsea, Spurs, City at the top, I was thinking, oh my goodness, there's going to have to be some great budget enablers this season. And then yeah. I looked at fifth and saw Luton sat there and thought, oh, hello, we've we've got a team that actually... I always think that newly promoted are quite nice to invest in from an FPL perspective because... You never really know what you're going to get with a newly promoted team. And the opposition don't really know what they're going to get with a newly promoted team until they kind of start. And they come out all firing, don't they? We've seen it in seasons gone by. Like I think back to that game with Brentford against Arsenal on the opening night when when Brentford came up. Um, And they shocked everybody by being, all right, Arsenal had some COVID-related problems that night. But nonetheless, they still beat them. 
Luton have a nice start to the season. Difficult first game for them against Brighton. Then it's Burnley, who obviously they know well from their championship days. Chelsea, West Ham, Fulham. So there's definitely potential in there for Luton to get some points and some goals in these opening few weeks of the season. Now, with Brighton, Chelsea in there, maybe I don't see clean sheets in those two, but Burnley, West Ham, Fulham... Let's see. I think we've got some scope there. And and so Luton kind of stand out for me as the newly yeah. promoted team that I want to to look most closely at when the fixtures are combined with the prices when the game launches. Because I would expect the Luton players to offer some good value because normally newly promoted teams do that. So if we can see some value in Luton with the fixtures the way they are, maybe this is where my kind of nice rotating options come from because I'm not always going to want to play a Luton player. But if I can find a gem like we got from Andreas Pereira last season at Fulham, then we've got some real opportunity, particularly with the way their fixtures are. Well, I watched um, a lot of Luton actually last season. and Although parts of their campaign wasn't that convincing, they were very, very strong defensively. And what is interesting about Luton is they actually play with a wing-back system, which obviously allows the wing-backs to you know, to advance forward. And and, and we know um, as FPR managers that we like that. wing-backs have a really high ceiling. So it'll be, it will, I'm kind of looking forward to the prices of the likes of Alfie Doherty. I think he picked up six or seven attacking returns last season. He's the left wing-back. Cody Drummer, he's he's the right wing-back. So there are two that I am looking at, although goalkeeper Horvath, he will probably come in priced really cheap as well. In terms of the attacking assets, I think, Again, I don't want to kind of focus too much on the assets, but it kind of you piqued my interest when you mentioned the fact that, you know, they were so high on the fixture ticker and they could have cheap value assets. And it kind of made me think back to that season. And um, the likes of Carlton Morris, you know, he he was one of the highest scoring players in the championship last season. He got 20 goals, seven assists. And the same with Adebayo, his his striker pairing. So they're definitely player. They're definitely a team that I would be, looking at in terms of defensive and, 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 and probably offensive assets as well. Um, so, yeah. And then when we look at the other end of the fixture ticker, we get Sheffield United, who are in the, the bottom kind of five of the ticker. So the bottom five are Sheffield United, Bournemouth, Wolves, Fulham, and then Newcastle sit rock bottom of the fixture ticker. Let's come to them in a minute, but let's just start with with Sheffield United. So they, in their opening five fixtures back in the Premier League, have Crystal Palace, Forest, Manchester United, Everton and Spurs. Now, these are one of those sets of games that I look at and go, okay, it's not ideal, but you are a newly promoted team, so all games are going to appear harder anyway. Yeah. And really, when I look at those fixtures, there's only two of the five that I think are really tough. The game against Manchester United and potentially, depending upon how Spurs start, the game against Spurs. The game against Palace, Forest and Everton, I don't think they're horrendous. So whilst they're at the bottom of the fixture ticker, I think there's still some scope in there. And I think, you know, when we're talking about having players that we want to use as bench fodder this season... Hopefully, we're going to see some value in there so that they don't have to be kind of burnt spots. They can be spots where we can bring in the players when we need them to be there. And, and Sheffield United have proved historically in the Premier League that they you know, they can cut it. Um, and against teams like Palace and Forest and Everton, who you'd expect to kind of be in and around the kind of bottom half of the table, 
I, I could still see Sheffield United getting some attacking returns and getting some points out of those fixtures. So I think the point I'm making about Sheffield United being in the bottom five is don't rule them out on the basis that they're in the bottom five because actually there's a couple of fixtures in their list that actually look okay for us as FPL managers. I'm not suggesting you have... You know, you invest heavily in them, but having yeah. one that you just play in those fixtures that are nice and then you bench in the games that are tougher actually feels okay. I totally agree. I, I kind of look, I, I look at them at the bottom of the fixture ticket and towards the bottom, sorry. And, and I just, and I just think, are those fixtures that bad? You know, you've already mentioned the likes of Man United and Spurs, but could they get something from those games defensively? Possibly. I mean, the good thing about Sheffield United is similar to similar to Luton. They also play with a wing-back system, which again, you know, allows their wing-backs to get forward and potentially get attacking returns. I mean, they're a bit more rotation-prone than, um, than the likes of Luton, but, you know, their, their wing-backs are good. They do offer attacking returns. So for example, Jason Bogle, he was an exciting watch last season. He was injured for, for some of it, but he... Um, he, he picked up a few attacking returns as well. But then you kind of move into attack of Sheffield United, and that's where you kind of look at the likes of Ndai. So he's, he's from Senegal, Senegal International. He's really young as well. He's only 23 years old, and he had a really good uh, season in the championship, championship mm. actually. So he, got, he got like double uh, digits for goals, double digits for assists. So he is that, he is, he could be that kind of cheap enabling player who offers, you know, a number of different routes to points. So, yeah, he, he is, and I is, is someone that I'm kind of looking at. But I, I totally agree in terms of Sheffield United. I think there is there could be value there, uh, regardless mm. of where they are on the fixture ticket. Unlike that, yeah. we then have Bournemouth next, who have West Ham, Liverpool, Spurs, Brentford and Chelsea to start the season. For me, those set of five fixtures feel like a hard avoid because I can't see them getting much out of a lot of those games. I know we saw some good investment opportunities from Bournemouth last season, um, particularly in that period of time when they were kind of just securing their position in the league. And I think longer term, potentially after a first wild card, Bournemouth might be a team that I then look to reinvest in. But West Ham, Liverpool, Spurs in the first three just feels really difficult. For sure. I think Bournemouth were one of, if not the worst, Boren leads, the worst defensive unit um, last season. And I think they also struggled offensively as well. They they are someone that I would be looking to completely avoid. Um, and I'd probably put them amongst the kind of relegation favourites uh, as well but yeah in terms of those first fixtures it's a it's a strong avoid for me yeah I agree and then underneath them on the ticker it's Wolves now they start the season with a game against Manchester United then it's Brighton Everton Palace and Liverpool I kind of torn on Wolves because United Brighton very difficult Everton's in there also very difficult uh, uh, Liverpool's in there sorry also very difficult Everton and Palace interesting because I think there's potential in there but the trouble I have with Wolves is I never feel like I really know what we're going to get with them I'm going to be watching preseason carefully with them trying to work out if there's anybody that kind of shows themselves because we've had this before with Wolves where we've been through preseason where they've performed well where a lot of managers have kind of gone oh I want to own Neves and then we've not had anything come from doing that in terms of 
their Premier League and their FPL returns. Yeah. So Wolves always feel like a bit of a struggle. Since the days of Jimenez, when you would just get Jimenez and you'd have him as your forward and it was it was great, a bit of Jota as well in, in seasons gone by. I do feel like we've lost the reliability as FPL managers in Wolves. Like you just don't really quite know what you're going to get. And when you're sitting third from bottom on the fixture ticket for those opening weeks, I do feel like we've got time with Wolves this time to kind of go, all right, well, I, I don't think I'm really that interested in investing in them at the moment, but I'll watch really carefully what happens at Molyneux over these opening five games. And if there's a standout there, if somebody is performing well, if Wolves start the campaign in good form, they're easy enough to move to because I wouldn't be expecting them to be too expensive. So hopefully then it'll be a quick and easy move across to a Wolves asset from somebody else that you own if these opening five weeks go well. But with the fixtures, I don't think they're going to get a lot of joy out of United, Brighton and Liverpool in particular. Yeah, totally agree with that one. I think that's that's quite an easy one. But see with Wolves, you kind of never know what you're going to get. No, you, you, like you said, you, It feels like they changed their starting lineup starting lineup every single season like you're never too sure on who's going to play as well you know like Nelson Semedo he's he's popped up in in, in kind of some patches during seasons gone by you know and he, he always kind of looks good or he's always getting in the right positions and stuff but you just never know if he's going to reliably play every single game week and and, and again you know fixtures aren't great uh, Raul Jimenez he's totally out of form now isn't he mm. um the likes of Madama Traore I think Wolves are looking to secure him on a on a, on a long-term deal but again I don't see much benefits of investing in, in Wolves at all early on no I agree I mean I think the interesting one again out of these bottom clubs is, is Fulham because like Sheffield United I also think that there's some potential in their game so they start the season with a game against Everton then it's Brentford Arsenal Man City and then Luton now obviously Arsenal and Man City they're very tough for Fulham there's a, a London derby in there against Brentford as well that could be interesting and then there's not far um down the road at, at Luton in there so I look at those fixtures for Fulham and think Okay, well, last season we got a lot of joy out of players like Andreas Pereira, like Mitrovic. There was a lot of potential in there and they were budget friendly. Now, do I think that Andreas Pereira is going to be as budget friendly next season? No. But do I think that he's still going to offer some good value for money? Yes, potentially I do. So with these fixtures, I think I kind of feel the same about Fulham as I do about Sheffield United because... Against Everton and against Luton, I'd be happy to play a Fulham attacking asset. So maybe they're okay if they're cheaper options to have there as kind of those rotating pair conversations that we've been talking about during this pod. Yeah, I think you've got it spot on with Fulham. Andreas Pereira was he was he was great. Mm. You know, he he was just someone that you could kind of place on your bench and and bring him in some weeks. Okay, there were some weeks where you know, you didn't play him and he scored or, you know, he, he hit a really good return. But I think he, it was just always nice to have him there. You know he's going to play in, a, in an attacking role as well. He's also going to be on penalty duty when Mitrovic isn't on the pitch. But again, it's his prize tag, isn't it? You know, mm. I think he was 4.5 four, was it 4. 5 million. Yeah. Um, price is a Manchester season. United player, right? And then... Yeah. So I think we're going to see a significant price rise there. Um, Mitrovic is also um, an interesting asset because he had a really good 
well, he had a really good season, actually. He did, yeah, he yeah. did have a good season until, obviously, you know, the, the last stages where he wasn't playing. And it'll be interesting to see how he starts uh, next season because although he's not an asset that a lot of people are going to jump on, he's definitely an asset that I think everyone should monitor for the, for mm. the first period of the season because we saw Mitrovic, even with tough fixtures in the last campaign, score. And, mm. and, yeah, and for sure. Yeah. I think with Mitrovic, when I saw the fixtures and them down the bottom, I was like, oh, that's him out of my thoughts. But actually then when I looked at the fixtures, I thought, do you know what? I don't think they're terrible for Mitrovic. And I could see myself in a position where, depending upon how he's priced and depending upon how I structure that forward line, where he could be the third forward in my team and offer some great options. Um, So I don't know. I, I think with Fulham, Weirdly, I feel the same as I do about Sheffield United. I don't think I'm ruling them out, even though they sit low down, because I think they'll offer some value. And if they're offering value, then being able to bench them from time to time is actually not really an issue. The bigger issue, I think, is that I was going into this campaign in my head thinking, right, well, I'm definitely going to have Trippier and I probably want a Newcastle attacker as well, because I I think they are going to have a fantastic season. And then today happened. Villa... Manchester City, Liverpool, Brighton, Brentford to start the season. What's your thoughts on Newcastle? I think I was similar. I was in a similar mind frame to you as as where I was in, um, kind of where I wanted to wanted Trippier in my first draft. Where I kind of regard, I was like, you know, regard as fixtures, he's definitely in my team. But then yeah. I saw, you know, Manchester City, Liverpool, Brighton, Brighton even Aston Villa. You know, it's they a hard really... game on the start of the season. That is that game I against Villa. I don't actually. Yeah, I'm kind of. I don't actually think you could ask for six tough, five tougher fixtures there actually, because Villa really strong. You know, they're playing in the Europa Conference League this season as well. Man City, Man City, Liverpool probably going to make huge defensive improvements. You know, with the likes of McAllister, new centre back, mm. Brighton are Brighton. They're always going to be solid a great defensive unit and Brentford are, are just that nightmare team that they're hard they're a tough kind of team to play against Brentford so I just I'm just not too sure about Newcastle in any sense um, never mind Trippier you know Trippier was was always going to be a shoo-in but you know he's going to be expensive this time around as well I think you know we're going to see a, we're going to see a a much bigger price tag for Trippier in my opinion I think he started the season um, was it five million at the start? Um, I think we're going to see a bit, of, you know, a bit of a price hike there, which again raises the question, you know, when you've got the likes of Chelsea, the Chelsea uh, defenders potentially, uh, Pedro Porro, Parisic, you know, th- there's going to be quite a few options at the start of the season. You've even got the the promoted teams defensively as well that you could look at. So not only is not only are the fixtures quite bad. Um, but there are there are going to be maybe cheaper and better options out there. But yeah, it's a tough one with Trippy because he was so good last season, wasn't he? he was uh, yeah, so and I in my head I had not even the idea of not having Trippy hadn't even crossed my mind. It, there was not a bit of me that was thinking I won't own Kieran Trippy for the start of this season. Not a single part of me until I saw those first five fixtures, and then I thought gosh I don't see in those particularly in those first five weeks I don't see any clean sheets I think Villa City Liverpool Brighton Brentford all of them score 
I, I can see mm. all of them scoring against Newcastle in those weeks. So if I'm going into the campaign thinking, well, I don't think there's any clean sheets here for this team, then yes, of course there's the attacking threat from Trippier. Yes, of course there's the set-piece potential. And yes, of course, against these teams, he could perform really well. And just because he's got hard fixtures doesn't mean that he won't. It doesn't mean that he's not going to return. It just means I think his route to points is shortened because there's not that clean sheet potential there, I don't think, as much in these early weeks. So I think for me, what the fixtures this morning did was kind of go, okay, I think I'm parking you, Kieran, and I'll pick you up again on wildcard and have you then. Because then we've passed through these fixtures where they just look really difficult for Newcastle in terms of the the clean sheet potential that they have there. And then I'll invest later on. But I think the fixtures are really, really interesting because like you say, there's not that period for anybody where it's just completely green to start the season. Everybody, including Arsenal at the top, has got at least one difficult game in there for for Arsenal. It's, It's against Manchester United. And then when you look at the bottom, apart from Newcastle, where they do look really tough, everybody else has got at least one game in there that I think could offer some potential in. So we are going to be very much waiting now, I think, for the prices and to be able to then build a team. Based on the fixtures so far, though, who are we most looking forward to hearing the prices from? Because for me, obviously, the big teams are there, the likes of Arsenal, the likes of Manchester City and obviously Spurs. Um, But I'm really interested to see how they price Luton and Sheffield United and Fulham, because those are the three teams that I think will offer me the route to create teams that I want to and potentially allow me to target in some nice fixtures and then bench them during the more difficult ones in a kind of rotating pairs type of way. Yeah, like you said, in terms of in terms of rotation pairs, I think it's it's crucial that we kind of look at the, those promoted teams for um, to, well to kind of enable those pricier options at the start because you know with the, with with Tottenham having good fixtures, with, mm. with you know Manchester City having good fixtures, Arsenal having good fixtures there, who are also likely to get significant price hikes as well. It is important. Arsenal again, that, that's someone. They're a team that I'm looking forward to seeing the prices of because you've got three really good midfield assets there in Saka, Martinelli and Odegaard. I'm quite interested to see how how they price those and who comes out on top. Similar to kind of the Tottenham wing-backs, they're a team that I... Okay, it doesn't look great for Tottenham at the moment. I'm I'm not going to lie. It'll be an interesting summer, be an interesting window to see you know, who they bring in, where they strengthen, because, I mean, there's plenty of areas that they're probably going to need to strengthen. But I think if 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 you make really good signings, then, you know, the likes of Perisic and Porro, I really want to see their prices and see see if they stay cheap. If that makes sense. I mean, they should. You'd think they would. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're two, two more players. The Tottenham, in general, actually, the prices there, I think I want to, want to look at. Hmm. Great. All right. Well, I think we'll leave it there then, Lewis, and we'll be yeah. back when we get some, well, we suppose when we get a game live yeah. to talk more about, about FPL and how these fixtures fit into the player prices. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.